Hey everybody, welcome to Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. I'm Greg White, and joining me as always on the line is Jason Pridmore. Hey JP. I'm just kidding everybody. Unfortunately, Jason can't be here. There's some scheduling conflicts with JP and the guest we have coming on today, which is... Cameron Bobier. We get to talk to Cameron a little bit later on about his time in Moto2 and the fact that he's been able to test a BMW M1000RR at Button Willow just days ago. Get his impressions of all that stuff coming up. This is the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore presented by Bike911.com. If you need some legal advice, need some information, have a contract coming up maybe for this race season or whatever, reach out to Alex Asante, bike911.com. Well, I hope everybody had a great weekend. Looking forward to having Jason back on this podcast, but we'll get right to it because it's time for the news presented by Arai. That's right. Hey, this is the holiday season, ladies and gentlemen, coming up after Thanksgiving. That's Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate. But either way, it's all about getting a gift for someone else. Or maybe yourself. You need to go check out AriAmericas.com. The newest, latest, and greatest technology. How they make their helmets. How they fit your head. And the great paint schemes that they have. Because Christmas, New Year's going to come and go. A couple months later, it's riding season. Get yourself a new lid for 2023. AriAmericas.com. All right. Got a couple things to talk about. I think first and foremost is the fact that Danilo Petrucci has announced that he is going to World Superbike for 2023 on the Barney Spark Racing Team. We thought that he would come back to Moto America. I certainly thought he was going to come back to the Medallia Superbike Championship on the Warhorse HSBK Racing Ducati New York team on a 2023 Ducati Pentagalli V4S. But in the end, Petrucci decided that he was going to go to World Superbike. Is it disappointing? Yeah, it's disappointing, I think, because we'd love to have Petrucci here, have his uh, followers and fans keep their eye on Moto America. I think the other thing that's kind of, you know, disappointing is the fact that he's now going to be on these tracks he's familiar with, on tires he's familiar with, and all that kind of stuff. But he'll get to race in World Superbike on a Ducati. And my guess is he's got full factory support. So we wish Petrucci. All the best. The question is, who's going to get that ride? Who will be on that superbike? I have a really good idea of who it's going to be. And once that announcement is made, we will definitely talk about it. Over the weekend, Jack Miller was able to race his last race on a Ducati as he makes his way in MotoGP to the KTM factory team. But he was in the bend in Australia. And no big uh, big deal for Jack Miller in terms of he was like second on the grid and then he finished, I think, sixth and fourth. Didn't get on the podium. But American Travis Wyman uh, raced 16th in race one and 18th in race two. Cody Wyman was there as well, finishing 13th in super sport race and 14th in the super sport race. So that's that's really cool. And congratulations to Mike Jones, who is the 2022 Australian Superbike champion on his Yamaha. He had a good run. Mike Jones, number one plate. But the thing that was really interesting about the whole thing with Jack Miller on the, I think it was Cat Racing Ducati, when he did this last year, he was on the Michelin Tires. This year, he was on the Pirelli Tires. Now, Michelin is the supplier for MotoGP. It would make sense that Jack would do that. However, we've talked about it ad nauseum on how that Ducati is developed on Pirelli tires and how it works great. So Jack didn't get the results he got last year, but interesting that they decided to change from Michelin over to Pirelli in the Australian Superbike Championship for that one race. I'm just saying it made you think. Speaking of World Superbike, article came out this morning, Wednesday, about silly season and what's happening with the World Superbike paddock. And there's 20 riders, some to be announced and all that kind of stuff on the grid. Your main teams don't change. For the Paddy Yamaha team, you're still going to have Toprak and Locatelli. On the Cowie team, you're going to have Ray and Lowe's. On the Aruba.it racing Ducati team, you have Bautista and Michael Rubin Rinaldi. 
On the BMW factory team, you're going to have Scott Redding and Michael Vandemark. Team HRC is Iker Lukawona and Xavi Vierge. On the GYTR GRT Yamaha team, that's Garrett Gerloff's old team, there'll be two new members on there. Remy Gardner and Dominic Agurta, who comes up from World Supersport as your two-time champ there and Moto E World Champion and all that stuff. Axel Bassani is going to be on the Moto Corsa Racing team. Philip Odell, Go 11. Tom Sykes comes back on Kawasaki Pachetti Racing. And, of course, we talked about Petrucci on Barney Spark. The Bonovo Action BMW team is Garrett Gerloff and Loris Baz. Now, there is another Yamaha team. There's the MIE Racing Honda team. There's a couple other teams that are TBAs. And then GMT 94 Yamaha has Lorenzo Baldessari on it. And then Yamaha Moto X Racing is Bradley Ray. Brad Ray comes over from the British Superbike Series, or he's a national champion, I believe, in Supersport. So that's going to be very interesting progression to see because we've talked about, Jason and I, the difference between, say, Moto America Superbikes, where we have full-blown electronics and we have swing arms and we have forks versus what's going on in the British Superbike Series. And there isn't much interest of taking someone from BSB into World Superbike, mainly because of their lack of of electronics experience is is from the things that I hear where someone like Garrett Gerloff comes in, he understands how all the electronics aid work and things like that. So he, he has a leg up on trying to teach someone from ground zero, basically, on how the electronics work and everything that goes with it. So very interesting bit there. But anyway, that's your kind of list for World Superbike. I would definitely encourage there was a uh, might still be a Black Friday sale going on for World Superbike to get the pass. It's so worth watching the video. They have a test coming up soon. We'll talk about that next week because our biggest question is <clears throat> what's going to happen with Kawasaki, Johnny Ray and Lowe's like that has to be the bike that lost the most during the season. Does Kawasaki have an answer? Do they have an answer this early December one and two or whatever? Are they going to be able to do it? So. That's that. So there's your news presented by Arai. And since Jason Pridmore can't be here, unfortunately, I get the privilege myself of talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Cameron Bobier back in the States. How was your Thanksgiving, Cameron? Good to talk to you. What's up, Greg? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it was good. It was super good. It's so nice to be home with family and friends and just sleep in my own bed. And I still <laughs> I still haven't even un- unpacked all my craps just sitting in the corner in the room yeah it's uh, it's been amazing to be home yeah we're going to kind of go about this i think kind of backwards progression really so you you finally end two years in in spain moto gp traveling around the world you come home how long were you home before you end up going to button willow to the dunlop q5 test <laughs> yeah it was uh it was kind of uh it was kind of a last minute thing that we threw together uh the week before I got home and Jake called me and he was like, yeah, you're, uh, you're going to ride that Beamer, you know, a week after you got, you got home. And at the moment I was like, man, I've, cause we've been racing so much. And I was like, obviously I'm excited to ride it and try it and, uh, and meet the guys and everything like that. But I was getting sick on the way back and I was like, Oh no. And then, uh, ended up getting home, uh, went to urgent care, got a, got a Z pack and got as good as I could, could have been. Uh, going into the test and yeah it was it was it was definitely a quick turnaround but it was uh I don't know something it was just refreshing going back going driving uh driving down I-5 and going to Button Willow and and uh meeting the guys and yeah because we spent a lot of time there with Yamaha riding and testing and yeah I think that was the best place for me to ride that thing for the first time just because I had so many laps around there on a Yamaha I know I know what works and uh, what doesn't work around that place. So I think it was, it was a really good start for us. Yeah. But your first go. So for those that may not know, you got to go test with the Titlers cycles team on a BMW M 1000 RR, the super bike from last year, but your first go at it was actually on Dunlop Q5s. Tell us a little bit about that and how that all unfolded. Yeah, it was uh man. Those tires are really good though. The, the Q5s are are really impressive. I started the day I, we did two days out there. I started the first day on Q5s 
we got down to, I think, 45s or something on the Q5s or 46s, something like that. I think the Omaha boys went a little faster than we did. But um, it was still, I mean, it was my first, you know, first 20 laps or whatever I, I did on the Q5s on that bike. So uh, I definitely wasn't taking any chances, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was pretty impressed with the Q5s after we put on the actual race tires, the 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 spec tires that Moto America races on, I, they were the harder options, but I was still, I was still pretty impressed with how close they were, especially the rear. The rear was, uh, the rear was good. I, like I said, I wasn't taking too many chances on the front, but, uh, the thing didn't squirm or move on me at all. Like it was, uh, it was, it was good. Well, and the good news is, is that that front tire construction is the new front tire construction and the same size of the new slick that's being introduced at the beginning of the year that you'll get to race on in Moto America, uh, pending, of course, your official announcement on what team you're going to be racing for, of course. Now, Cameron, as we're kind of approaching this kind of backwards, my question is, what was it like being back on a production-based motorcycle versus the moto two bikes you've been on the last two years how was the feeling of the bike in general in terms of that you know i mean you can compare i know it's been a couple of years since you've been on one superbike to another superbike so i'm not really asking that but let's talk about the way you fit on the bike the way it felt but specifically the way the front end of the motorcycle just gave you feedback or just felt different from a moto two bike just to start start out the it was it was really good you know i've <laughs> After riding a Moto2 bike for a couple years, I could not believe how fast the thing was. And uh, it makes, the BMW makes power, I mean, uh, if you look at trap speeds on a Moto America weekend, the, like, the top speeds aren't too much different from the Yamaha to the BMW, but the way the BMW makes power is so wicked. Like, it, they just scream. I'm, I remember the, the fast left-hander before the last corner at Buttonwillow coming out of there you're not quite wide open and then once you're out of the out of the corner you put the throttle on the stick and it feels like you all of a sudden you get 50 more horsepower you're just hanging on like it's just trying to rip your rip your arms off the bars <laughs> um so that was definitely definitely something to get used to but uh it was it was cool because i i feel like i grew a lot as a rider over there riding the moto two bikes and racing with all those guys and just changing my style a little bit and uh it was cool just getting back on a super bike kind of meeting halfway because you just don't you you ride the super bikes different you know like uh it's definitely more point and shoot but i i had a good feel pretty much you know after the first couple of session, sessions i i uh definitely was wasn't on the pace of the yamaha boys the first day but we were making some changes the second day we uh, pushed the front end out a little bit, raised the thing up, changed. Try, I tried a different swing arm, which we gained a little grip there, and uh, made some good changes. And it was refreshing for me too, because, man, I, I remember, you know, the season ended ended good. We were we were fast and stuff like that the last few races, but there was some times in my Moto Two, you know moto two career over the last two years where i was i would ask for a change we would make a change and i would think you know based on what i would do at home with yamaha like oh if we do this like i think i think it's going to be better and we'd either go backwards or we would run into another problem and it was just refreshing like actually making some changes that i think would work on the superbike the bmw and it actually working so it was uh yeah, it was good. Look, there are all kinds of riders that give feedback, but I generally categorize them in in three three ways. One of them is going to be like a Jason Pridmore, who knows nothing about suspension setup, nothing about anything to do with the bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. And and he goes like this. He would turn to his suspension people or his crew chief and say, uh, I'm mid-corner. Uh, when I initiate the throttle, it pushes the bike wide. Fix it. And they go, okay, we got you. Then there's the extreme, which is more of the Aaron Yates type of guy. And Aaron would be like, come in and say, it's not doing this. So I need, give me a higher spring rate, two clicks of compression. You know, like he was really analytical. 
The third rider is the one that sits more in the middle. Somebody who knows the squiggly lines a little bit, understands the generalities of how suspension works, and will come in and say, look, I think what I'm getting on here, this is, and it's kind of a blend of the two. Where do you fall in on that spectrum then with what you're telling us? Because it kind of sounds like you are kind of dead smack in the middle or even more towards that, you know, more knowledgeable side of things. But where do you find yourself in that spectrum? I would say I'm more in the middle. I, I would say like looking at the squiggly lines, I definitely get lost. But uh, if they if someone can, you know, help guide me through it, I can I can at least get an understanding for it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, like just working with Yamaha and how much we've tested and rode over the years. I mean, I rode a superbike since uh, other than the last two years since I was, well, yeah, since I was like 20 years old, you know. So I've had yeah. I've had a lot or 21, yeah, something like that. But I've had a lot of time on them, and over time, you you uh, yeah, you're always searching for more. And I feel like I've learned, you know, I learned so much. Yeah, I've learned so much from the Omaha guys, you know, what the bike does when, especially when we were struggling with electronics, you know, in 2017 and stuff like that. I really started understanding the bike a little bit more, making changes, like raising the thing up. And if you raise the thing up, you know, it turns a little bit better. It's, it uh, carves the corners a little bit better, um, but then it wheelies more and it pitches more and then you can't brake quite as hard, just stuff like that. So I'd, I'd say... I'm definitely not like, all right, yeah, we need a couple clickers here. We need a couple clickers there. But I'd say, yeah, I'd say I'm, a, I'm somewhere in the middle. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, that. listen, there, there's no really good way to do it, right? There's no, there's no best way to do it. But I think from my years of being around that paddock, which I hate to say is like, I think I'm on year 26 or something like that, is that it seems like being in the middle is, is more effective. But as it relates to that, Cameron, the thing is, is you got to have a good crew around you, right? You have a good crew chief who speaks your language, who understands how to really decipher what you're trying to say. And it takes a really good crew of people to work with that crew chief, work with you to make sure that those settings go in and everything is right. So you and I have talked over the last couple of years with your Moto2 team, and you love those guys that you the people that were in your camp, right? Those crew guys and everything else, you had really developed a great relationship with them. How difficult is it to, to sever that relationship, leave that paddock, leave that paddock and now come back to the States and try to establish new relationships with new people and all that type of stuff. Yeah, it, it was definitely, it's always tough saying goodbye, you know, especially when, uh, I mean, I had two great years with them and obviously we didn't get the results that, that we wanted or, or deserved, I think. Um, just, uh, I mean, we had a lot of, we had a lot of bad luck and I made a lot of mistakes when, when things were really clicking, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but it was great working with those guys, you know, like Stu coming on board after a couple, a couple races, Stu and, uh, and Brian, my electronics guy, they, we, we kind of just learned Moto2 together, you know, and, uh, it's always one of those things, right? Like I, with what we know now, it would be cool to like just kind of start off last year where we where we where we're at now, you know, because the last few races we were really really figuring some stuff out, you know. The the beginning of the year started pretty well. I was I was going really fast in the, the first few races. Then I started hitting the deck a little bit and lost some confidence and man, just like just that little bit of confidence you lose in that class, even if it's if it's three tenths of a second, like look, look where that, look what that does on, on the timesheet, you know? And if you're qualifying in, in 17th or 16th or eight, yeah, around there, it's, you're making it really hard on yourself when everyone's on the same bike lining up for the race. So, uh, but it was that, I mean, getting back to your question, like it was, it was awesome working with Stu and Brian and Ferdy and, and Gringo. And yeah, just everyone on the team was on my side. They're, they're really, really cool. And, uh, I'm definitely going to miss those guys. And it's cool though. I have, uh, my mechanic, Ferdy, the tall skinny guy with the mustache. He's, uh, our Frenchman. <laughs> he, uh, he came over, he was at the test with me and I think we're going to, we're trying to work out a deal for him to come over and, and work on the BMW team, which would be really cool. And 
he loves America. He wants to be American really bad. It's pretty funny. He wants, uh, yeah, he wants to get his mountain bike and a pickup truck over here and uh, cruise <laughs> up the to American Tahoe, dream, hit, huh? the, yeah. hit the hit the downhill runs and and uh, ride some motocross with me. And it was cool showing him around too, my my area because oh, like we're so lucky up here in NorCal. It's just it's just really is a beautiful place, and uh, it's cool seeing someone else like showing someone else around and like just seeing them appreciate it and like, Oh man, like this is cool, you know? So mm-hmm. took them, took them to my local mountain bike trails and the local mo- motocross track and just a little country breakfast at, uh, like right here in town in Lincoln. And, um, yeah, it's cool. So I hope that works out. Yeah. I hope that works out as well. That's going to be really cool. And, you know, it's one of the things that Pridborn and I talk about offline is, is that, you know, attracting new mechanics to Moto America and younger mechanics. I mean, you know, that we, we need mechanics, we need crew chiefs. I mean, of course we need riders and all that kind of stuff, but so introducing anybody who's going to come over here and look at it and possibly to the paddock and, and work for a year and maybe even stick around longer is going to be cool. Cam, let's talk about the Moto two bike a little bit. What was difficult about riding the Moto two bike? Oh man. Um, a lot of things I'd say, I'd say, especially coming from a super bike, like you're like, yeah, you roll, especially for me, like my style was good. I feel like it was, it was more, I feel like I could, I could be more, a little bit more adaptable than most going to the Moto2 bike because of the way I rode the super bike. It was a little more roll speed and, and stuff like that. Um, but man, that thing, they, they're a very with with the motor and the chassis the chassis is just so rigid and you'll feel like you do the same thing you know lap after lap and then and then one minute you're just on your head you'll tuck you'll tuck the front and uh i didn't realize i was doing it but we found that a lot of my front end crashes which we had a lot of them <laughs> mm-hmm. uh it was it was always on the right hand side and it was me dropping the front brake so like you'd be trailing into a corner and i was just being too aggressive with like my pressure release and it would just and with those chassis the the way just how stiff they are and how reactive they are i would just like unload the front tire just that little bit too much and that's that's what would happen like the carcass of the tires over there are really stiff and the bikes are light and we're running just, you know, such softer spring rates and stuff like that than we do here. Uh, it's just a, it's just a different bike, but yeah. So basically what you're saying is you're going to the corner, you trail break, which of course is you, you, you grab a couple bar of pressure going in as you're leaning the bike over, you're releasing, releasing, releasing pressure it's that last little bit where you just kind of dump off the brake, whether you had half a bar or a bar left of brake pressure, you'd go because you were trying to dump the brake, get to the throttle as quickly as possible. And it would pivot the bike on its rear, lighten the front just enough. Boom. You hit the deck. Exactly. Like I, I mean, I did, I did crash a couple times, like when the front's like just on pure grip, right? Like when, mm-hmm. when the front's loaded and I have the brake on, but I'd say 90% of my crashes on that bike were, like coming off of the front brake when the tires unloaded and that's what you see a lot over there too like a lot of the other guys are dude it's like almost every crash almost every crash in moto 2 is the front right like it's and and it happens to the to the best of the best running up front boom gone you're just like whoa Mm -hmm. how's that even possible and we have we always have two different tire options over there to run um it's normally the three and the one and everyone picks the one because I mean, you can put so much force into those tires over there. Like you, everyone's riding those things so hard over there. And the one does feel a little bit better in that, in that aspect, but, um, it struggles like over race distance, you know, like for example, mm-hmm. at Phillip Island, I went, I went with the one because we were a little bit worried about the, the temperature because the, it's mainly a left-hand track and on the right hand, the right-handers, the temp wasn't really coming up. And, uh, either one of the tires, the three or the one, we stuck with the one and then you, you feel the front tires start going off, you know, towards the end of the race. But, uh, but yeah, I got a lot of 
tough questions that are coming down the pipe, but this one's kind of a, <laughs> a lob to softball. Comparing the your recent experience on the production-based Superbike versus the Moto2 bike and our Dunlop tires, I think people don't necessarily realize that the Dunlops that you were racing on in Moto2 are actually not associated in terms of manufacturing or development or anything to what we run here in the U.S. How was it for you to get back on a U.S. spec Dunlop how was that front feeling? Was it, you know what I mean? In terms of the actual dynamics of what you were feeling through the bars. Um, it was there. I think it's, it's definitely a mix. It's a mix of the bike and the tire for sure. Mm, uh, okay. going to, going to the super bike, but I definitely feel that the American spec Dunlops have more feel and whether that's, whether that's because we're on like a, a super bike and, and, you know, they're heavier and they, the, the chassis is softer or what, but there's definitely more feel there. Um, the, yeah, the, it seems like the, the tire, the, the tires over there or the, the, the construction is just a lot, a lot stiffer, you know, is your confidence back already just from doing that one test? A little bit. Um, I'd say, I mean, like I said, man, even though we cra- I crashed at Valencia, it was, it was nice to, it was nice to be fast the last three rounds, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Brian, he figured out some stuff with some ignition mapping or some ignition and throttle mapping that really helped me the last three rounds. And, uh, yeah, I just, it felt like the throttle, the throttle pickup and everything was, was just a little bit smoother. And, uh, it honestly felt like we didn't change anything really with the bike setup wise or anything like that. It just felt like I had more grip cause the throttle was a little bit smoother. And I feel like that really helped me cause I've never been, I've never been like a guy over here to like have to wait and kind of go get a reference or a toe, but I'd get so lost with that bike over there with, with like the power delivery because it's so flat, but then you spin the tire and you just, you kind of just get lost with the connection between the, the throttle and the tire. And that really cleaned that up for me the last three rounds. So, so that was good. But I mean, I'm going to ask you some kind of out there questions. It's two years later. You were in the situation a little over two years ago where you were faced with walking away from championships, race wins, race bonuses, being home to race nine or 10 race weekends, whatever, to going to Europe. Looking back on it now, in the couple weeks that you've been home, not even two weeks you've been home, was it worth it? Was it worth it for you to walk away and get the Moto2 experience? Uh, Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, looking back on everything and everything I've done the last two years and, um, all the places I've been, it's, it's been pretty amazing, you know, and, and there's always been talk about me going over to Europe and it just, there was never the right opportunity. And I mean, let's face it, I was making good money. I was like super close with the Yamaha guys. I had it, I had it like too good to, to pass up that opportunity for, for something I was unsure about over in Europe. But, you know, once everything came together with American racing, i I just, I just went for it and I was ready for just something new and something fresh. And, uh, I always, I feel like if I didn't go over there, I would always like thought, or, you know, like what, what if in the back of my head, like, what if I I did that? And obviously, obviously I didn't get the results and stuff I was hoping for, but like, to be honest, when I was going over there, just from my previous experiences over there back in, you know, Oh nine and stuff, um, struggling over there it's really easy to think like man like am i even going to be am i even going to be competitive because it's hard to explain how how high the level is over there and like you're going in you're going into their you're going into their pond you know like their tracks their country their their countries their well even even the moto gp even the moto gp paddock has its own culture doesn't it like yeah and then you're going you're you're being plopped in there and that's what's tough to that's that's what is tough for people to understand is just how hard it is to be competitive let alone be up front over there so i'm happy that i was able to do that and 
like I said, I wish the results were better, but uh, I'm happy that, you know, on my day I was, I could be, I was one of the fastest guys, you know, on my mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Hypothetical question. Would it have been an easier transition for you in your opinion to have gone straight from Superbike to MotoGP bike with everything that, everything that you know about Moto2 now, do you think it would have been easier because the bikes are, have closer characteristics, Superbike? Um, yeah. I mean, I think so for sure. I think that I would, I think I'd ride a bigger bike better, you know, with my style and stuff like that. And, uh, just being used to, used to intervention or electronics, electronics for years and traction control and wheelie control and really relying on that stuff because it's funny going back to the moto two bike, having nothing it's okay. Like everything's okay up until like that last second you need to find. And then like just not having that TC to rely on and stuff like that. That's where it, <laughs> that's where <laughs> it gets a little hairy. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, and just, just how good the engine braking was looking back on, on the Yamaha, like looking, yeah, just, just how dialed it. I mean, we could change it corner by corner to make the thing just work perfectly around the track. So are you right back at home with, with all the electronics on a super bike from the two days or day and a half, like or day and a couple sessions? You know what I mean? I was getting there. I was getting there. This, like I said, the second day was a lot better. The first day I was kind of scratching my head a little bit. You know, we, we stayed out on the, the hard tires, the, we only we only we used the Q fives for the first fifteen laps or something like that, and then the second tires we threw in were the hard option race tires that the spec tires, and uh, we stayed on those the rest of the day. And I was like, de I was decently happy with with how we were doing and how I was feeling on the bike, um, but I wasn't looking at times like what what the Yamaha boys were doing. And then, uh, I looked at them on, at the end of the day and I was like, Oh man, like I, <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, scratching my head a little bit, but the second day, like I said, actually making some changes and going forward with the bike, getting on some softer rubber, I really started, started feeling better. You know, I think, uh, there's definitely a ways to go for sure. If we're going to go, you know, if we're going to go fight with the, the Yamaha boys consistently, but I think, I, I don't think there's any reason why we, we can't be, you know, I think, I think rear grip on that thing is, is a major need, need some improvement, but, uh, everything else felt, you know, felt pretty good. I, I was pretty impressed with how the thing turned. And like I said, just making changes that I knew worked back in, back in my Yamaha days and them actually working, you know, felt good. So <laughs> I bet it did. Let's yeah. talk about the let's talk about the MotoGP paddock a little bit and your two years in that paddock. Um, you know, you had you've already knew people. I mean, back in two thousand nine, you were teammates with Mark Marquez in the one twenty five class. You already known a few people in that paddock. But how welcoming was the paddock to you? And what's it like being in that paddock? Being an American, you know what I mean? Like like for those of us that that hang around Moto America paddocks. We know how open it is and how fans can roll around and see, and you can come out of the trailer and you can sign autographs. So all those things, the culture of the Moto GP, the fact that you come from super bikes where people kind of poo poo in that, or did it, did it even make a difference? Like what was that experience like inside the paddock? That's amazing. Especially this year with, with COVID dying down all that. It was cool too, because this year I, I, I rented one of those GP rooms. It's like the little, hotel at the track or little it's a it's basically a big motorhome with multiple pop pop outs and there's like there's three units and on each truck and so i rented though i rented one of those for the whole season um at least the european rounds which is like 13 rounds out of the year and uh i'm so happy i did that like it was a little expensive but it man it beats like sitting in traffic on on a saturday or sunday morning trying to get to the track and and uh, it just makes you enjoy the whole paddock life and, and enjoy the race weekends a little bit more, you know, because at the end of the day on Friday, Saturday, like you're just, you're kind of ready to get out of there and just kind of go, you know, go chill out in your hotel room. And uh, that's what I was able to do, you know, 
the whole weekend. So hmm. that made it super enjoyable and just, and just being able to hang out with people and hang out with the Alpine star guys, hang out with my team. Um, Shelby and I became, became good buddies with Jake and, and his wife, Sarah. And, uh, they Jake were our Dixon. neighbor. Yep. And they were our neighbor in the GP room. So that was cool to, you know, hang out with them sometimes at night. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, the nightlife is so cool. You know, it's just, everyone's so passionate in that paddock for, for the sport. And, uh, yeah, they're all just having a drink after the, after working their butts off all day and had the music going and everyone's eating dinner in the pits and it's, uh, it's MotoGP. It's just like a traveling circus, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's just the way of life for, for those guys. And it, it is pretty cool. Were you able to keep an eye on Moto America stuff or even what like Gerloff was doing in world Superbike during your time or too busy? Or oh yeah. Was... No, absolutely. I, man, I watch, I watch, I'm a race fan, you know, I watch all the, all the practices for Superbike and all the, all the world Superbike and, and same thing for Moto America. And, uh, and, you know what I love this year is the um, what's it called the uh, the Greg's the Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. Yeah, love that. yeah. I even listen. Yeah, to, I uh, even listen uh-huh. to you when I'm when I'm bored on the plane. And, uh, <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. Now, would you no, love I, the 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 Moto America docu series? What what was it called? The Pressure to Rise. I was, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was into that this year. No, it was cool. It was cool. Is there any feeling that you got from the MotoGP paddock about how they viewed Moto America this particular season with Petrucci being in the paddock? Or was that not something that you really got a beat on? Uh, I mean, they definitely paid attention to it. Um, yeah, like I'd be, I'd be watching a Moto America practice or qualifying or something like that. And, and it's in, it was in Severino and it was, it's, it's an Italian, what do you call it? An, a, like a broadcast company? No, 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 in a, a Severino, and it's an Italian um, hospitality, and oh, so oh, people wow. would be people would be asking me how Petrucci's doing, and yeah, no, it's good. Hmm. But I'm so excited to be back, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be cool just getting back and seeing everyone, and uh, and yeah, lining up on a superbike, and but man, I'll tell you, like it's gonna be it's gonna be tough just just seeing how fast Jake and Cam were at the test. At oh, don't even start making excuses. No, I don't I'm even serious, want to hear this crap. A, <laughs> well, 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 look, Bobier, this kind of brings up the question, uh, you know, on social media, people think they know everything, right? Oh, like, uh, so what about you and Yamaha? How come Cam's not going back to Yamaha? And obviously we know that they have contracts over there and stuff, but, and, and oh, oh, this, you know, Petrucci, oh, just put Cameron on the bike. Let's talk about your decision. Why did you decide to go to, or, I know the contract's not signed yet. I know it's not, the press release has been out, but obviously you've tested. We're talking a little bit about what your future could hold. So BMW is looking like where you want to go. Why did you make this decision that people don't really understand? Because they think, oh, he could just come back and get a Yamaha ride or get the Ducati ride or whatever. Why did you choose this route? Well, I mean, I mean, first off, you know, with, with, with Yamaha, cam and jake are on two-year deals over there and to be honest like i love all those guys at yamaha a ton and i'm um, good buddies with cam and jake but i just like coming back here i wanted to i wanted to do something different you know and have have uh just have something fresh and like a new challenge and not saying that you know things would be any different on on a yamaha but uh I don't know. It's, it's just something about it excited me. And I just saw how well that team did last year in their first year. And, you know, how strong PJ came on at the end of the year, getting getting that pull at Jersey and, uh, you know, the couple podiums at the end of the year. And it really, yeah, it seemed, it seemed like that, that team and everything could be a good fit for me. So, uh, and Jake I mean, had like, been talking like- to them and, it, the BMW M1000RR is it's one year old at this point, so you you really could have an impact on the development of this motorcycle and the success of this motorcycle in this paddock. Is that something that excites you? No, yeah, exactly. Like it'd be cool to it'd be cool to like learn and grow with this team and be, help be a part of a part of something great, you know. And and uh, 
and yeah, hopefully we, we have some good success on it. What is the future? What would be a successful future for you just beginning with next season in terms of results or happiness? I mean, you're newly married. And so now I'm sure you get to spend a little bit more time with your wife. Is she, she still have her job? Is she still working? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know if you saw, but there, we got a little baby on the way. So that's what cool. I didn't know that. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. No, wow. That's, that's yep. amazing. Little, Who's the uh, father? Um, oh, wait, that's a bad joke. <laughs> You're stupid. I am stupid. So I'm excited for that. And, uh, and yeah, I, to be honest, like, I don't, I don't really want to put like a position on anything or anything yeah. like that. That's what but, I'm saying. You don't need to do that, but I mean, what would what would feel like a success for you? You think for next season? I mean, I I, I want to be. I want. I would love to be back winning races and stuff like that. And uh, I think time will tell. Like once we get some parts and test a little bit more and kind of see where we're at, I think I'll have a a better understanding of like where we can be and uh, if we can fight for the championship or not. But I mean, that's the goal for sure is to is to try to try to elevate our level as, as a team and uh, try to go after the Omaha boys. But like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be tough seeing how fast those guys were going out at button willow doing 41s around that place at button willow is, uh, is no joke. So it's cool though. Like seeing, seeing how fast Cam and Jake have gotten over the last couple of years and along with, you know, Maddie and it is a bummer not seeing Petrucci come back because I think that, uh, I think his, especially his second year at all these tracks would have, he would have been really, really tough next year. So that's, uh, that's a bummer not to have him, him in the mix next year. Um, but there's going to be plenty of competition. So I'm same with PJ. PJ is going to be really fast and, uh, it'll be good to have a good fast teammate. And same with Corey Alexander. He's, uh, moving up from super stock. So it'll be good. It'll be tough, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So what does your winter hold? I mean, I know how intense your training became on your way to Moto2. And I mean, with your travel schedule, how you even maintain fitness for the last couple of years is is virtually baffling. So what does your winter look like? I mean, are we talking a little bit more French fries, a little bit more beer coming your way? Or <laughs> a little more are you beer, gonna, <laughs> a little more burgers. A little more burgers. Or are we going to try to hold the same intensity? Because when I saw you, what, what was that, last week? Or whenever I saw you a couple days ago at this point, I mean, dude, you looked fit. I mean, obviously, you just came off a race season and you looked incredibly fit. Um, but you do need a little bit more, I think. Maybe do you need a little need bit a more little, bulk, a little bit more muscle to help you out curls. with a super bike or what? A couple more curls. Yeah. More cheese I, I'd curds. Say, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> I definitely say I'm, I'm after riding that thing. I was, uh, I was getting beat up on that thing a little bit. I need to hit the gym a little bit more, but, um, <laughs> that's one thing about MotoGP, man. You're on the bike so much. We're racing 20 races out of the year plus testing. Like, yeah, you got to keep up. I was still riding some bicycles over there and and doing some stuff, but you're racing so much that you, you just have so much bike fitness, you know? And that's one thing that, I mean, we're, we only have half the races here in Moto America. So, um, so that's one thing that is a little bit of a bummer, you know, but I'll, I'll definitely, what'll be nice is I'll, I'll be able to ride more motocross, uh, this off season and into next year. And I love motocross, like motocross is the most fun version of riding a motorcycle to me going out with your buddies and my brother and so that'll be cool and riding some bicycles stuff like that and uh i'll try to i'll try to try to keep the lbs off you know i'll try to try to stay <laughs> try to dude stay you're not gonna have a choice it. now the wife is pregnant <laughs> you're gonna get pregnancy weight because it's gonna be what do they call it sympathy weight when the wife's yep. pregnant and stuff you're gonna have quite a challenge ahead of you no when's oh, the baby due man. uh june June. Oh, right in the so, middle of race season. Good, yeah, good, good planning got by my you. Hands full. Yeah, got my you hands definitely full, do. But... Luckily, your wife is amazing, so you know she'll <laughs> she'll definitely handle a lot of stuff. Um, so you come off of a Moto Two bike with a Triumph seven sixty five motor. I, you know, you. I mean, let's start building rumors now. Is there any possibility you get on a Triumph for the Daytona two hundred since you're a super bike rider and maybe compete in the two hundred? Eh? Oh man, I I don't know about that. All I don't right. know. I know. I mean, I mean, 
I wouldn't be opposed to doing something. <laughs> yeah, I bet you but, would. But uh, but we'll see. What would be cool is if I if I uh, if I got to do a wild card at Coda or something like that because that's before our se- well before our season even starts. That'd be pretty cool. But that might be a in what far class? Far. Oh my god, dude! Can you imagine if if someone just gave you a Moto G? I mean, those Suzukis aren't doing shit. I mean, why not just you know get somebody dust off one of the Suzuki Moto GP bikes and you get a wild card at Coda on a GP bike? Yeah, that would uh, that'd be pretty cool. Who we got? Sign me to? up. Who we sign me up? If, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> like add more to the question you asked me too about if I would be more adaptable to uh to a MotoGP bike like I for sure think so uh but at the same time man like I don't know like look at look at the look at all the guys in that class like look just look at all, what all, all those guys have done you know like even even like the Rao who's been running, running around towards the back, like look how fast he was on a Moto2 bike. Like it's just, yeah, it's pretty insane seeing the level of all those guys right now. And, uh, it just keeps getting higher every year. Well, look, you're a race fan. Would you rather, since you just got off a bike with virtually no electronics, you've raced bikes with maximum electronics from a fan standpoint, would you rather see us go backwards in time and start to take away some of these rider aids, not as a racer, Cameron, I'm asking you as a fan, or would you rather see the age that we're living in? Because I know what my opinion is of it. It's changed over the last two years. That's for sure. I would like to see them like maybe dual down a little bit. Um, I feel like the, I've never ridden with the wings on, obviously I've never ridden a MotoGP bike or anything like that. Uh, but, it seems like the the wings and the ride height device where the rear end squats out of the corner, like it seems like that makes it pretty hard to that kind of duels down the the racing, you know. You don't see yeah. as many passes and stuff going on and I think that a lot a lot that yeah, a lot has to do with the ride height device and and just the wings. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I I'd rather see them get rid of the squatting device and the the wings and keep the electronics because that's the formula I think that keeps racing awfully close and gets you a little bit more passing. I think in Moto2, there've been some patches of really close racing, but up front, I don't think we saw consistent close racing. And I think a lot of that has to do with like what the things that you talk about. I think setup seems to be more important in Moto2 than any other class, you know, out there because those bikes seem to be very finicky and that goes from the top to the bottom of the class. Well, and yeah, I mean, everyone's on the same bike pretty much. And mm-hmm. so literally just every little thing matters. Like if you, if you have 1% here, 1% there on, on everyone else, it's, uh, that's, yeah, that's when it adds up, you know? So having to get to test a new bike before I let you go, I'm just curious, what was it that made you smile the biggest? on the superbike, Was it the front end feel? Was it the ex- arm ripping acceleration that you're talking about? Was it just being at a familiar racetrack? Like what was it about being back on a superbike that just kind of gave you butterflies? Uh, man, I would say firstly, just the sheer power of those things. Like they're, they're so fast and, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just being able to spin the rear, coming out of some of the corners and yeah light the rear up and because on the moto 2 bikes you're so in line you know like and it feels super good when you're just on the edge and like everything's working and you're just nailing corners and nailing fast laps on the moto 2 bike but something about just like sliding the rear and uh getting some wiggles out of the out of the super bike like that feels so good and and also you know just i mean i rode you know, I rode all around the world the last two years. I rode the, the best tracks the world has to offer around here. But something about just being close to home and be, just going out to Button Willow and seeing like seeing a lot of familiar faces and, and uh, you know, some of my friends in the pits in Moto America, like that's just refreshing, you know. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's so refreshing. And it was an amazing opportunity going over there and getting to do all that. But like, I'm so stoked to just to know I don't have to go get, get on a plane and go back to Europe, you know, in a couple months. Like it's just uh, oh, yeah, super refreshing feeling. That's for sure. 
Now, on the World Superbike front, Garrett Gerloff transitions from Yamaha to BMW as well. Kind of interesting there. Has there been any conversations between you and Garrett about the possibility of sharing some notes and conversations leading into 2023? Yeah, yeah. He actually texted me the other day after I wrote it, and he was like, "So tell me, like, what what am I what am I going to expect? <laughs> or yeah, what 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 do I yeah what am what am I going to expect?" And uh, he, uh, yeah, I think he tests on like the 12th and 13th of December. So I'm excited for him though. It's cool. He's got, it's, it's pretty funny because we came on to, we came on to Yamaha as teammates in 2012. And, uh, obviously we went to Europe on, like he stayed with Yamaha and I went to Europe racing Moto2. And then it's just funny, you know, 10 years later or whatever, we're getting on BMWs. Obviously he's in world Superbike on in Moto America, but it's, it's just kind of funny how that, uh, how that worked out but i'm stoked for him i think i think that team that bonavo team is uh is making good strides and i saw laverty's gonna run it so i think uh i think garrett will be good on that thing yeah i'm looking forward to both all three seasons especially coda if you get a wild card ride you definitely heard it here first well cam we appreciate all the time you're spending on this podcast cannot wait to see you at the racetrack all year long so that'll do it for us. Anything else you'd like to say on the way out? Uh, that's about it. No, I'm looking forward to being home with the family and have a good Christmas. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. It's good to have you. All right. That'll do it for the Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore. Hopefully Jason will be back on the podcast next week. We've got these scheduling conflicts all taken care of. There is a world superbike test that's going to happen the first and second at Jerez. And uh, there's some big teams that are expected to be there, including Kawasaki and BMW is going to be there as well. I heard Tom Sykes is going to be there on the Kawasaki. So we'll probably bring you some information as to what happens December 1st and 2nd. So for Jason, Cameron, and Greg, thanks for checking us out. Make sure you hit us up on social media, do all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time right here on Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore.